Hey there. Welcome to Coffee with the Docs. We are a holistic lifestyle podcast where we give integrative solutions and bring brilliant experts to help you thrive. Mind, body, and spirit. We are doctors Nicole Huffman and Abby Kramer, and we're so happy you're here. Hey everyone, welcome back to Coffee with the Docs. Today we've got an awesome episode. We were able to have Ashley on from Mala Collective, which is a really cool business. And Dr. Nicole was able to interview her. And most of the episode is just all about meditation, why we should do it, what is meditation, kind of demystifying it. I thought she did a great job of just like making it simple, like Oftentimes we make meditation. It has to be a whole thing Mm -hmm. and it doesn't. So she really broke it down in a simple way. Yeah. And I love how she was really talking about, I I think the statement she was saying was like, if your mind drifts, like saying like, come back love or like, Oh yeah. She said, I wrote this down. She said, okay, my love come back. Yeah. And just like, like really in a nurturing way to like bring yourself back instead of like judgmental. And she's like, because if you're doing like the judgmental stuff in your meditation, like that's kind of defeating the part purpose. Why do I keep doing that? Like, yeah. And just the, that that's what everybody does. Their mind wanders. Like it's just part of the game. And so, and I loved how she was talking about how it's such an internal process. So if you're opening your eyes and you're like looking at the next person and you're like, Oh my gosh, there's like, so Zen. And they're just, you know, having this mystical moment, which I totally understood this, like being in the Dr. Joe seminars. Cause you're like, Whoa, that person just like went to Neptune and they're like having right. an amazing healing. And, and I'm you're thinking like, about, about like lunch. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking about like, I would love a salmon salad. And, and right. then I'm like, Oh my gosh, they just like had a crazy healing. I suck at this or whatever. Right. So it's right. like that yeah, idea yeah. of just no, like treat yourself with kindness and with love and like bring yourself back mm-hmm. instead of like that judgment. I, I really thought that was a helpful tip. Yeah. Well, it's like, I think so many people have this idea in their mind that meditation means you're shutting off your thoughts. Yeah. And I've learned from like so many people, you know, like meditation experts that like, um, no, that first of all, that's literally impossible. The mind is designed to like mm-hmm. wander. Mm-hmm. But what I loved that she said is she's like, it's about creating space between your thoughts, mm-hmm. which I is love such that an too. amazing way to put it. Yeah. Like it just takes the pressure off. Like you're going to have thoughts and that's okay, mm-hmm. but we can like space them out and more observe them than being like stuck in them. Totally. And the, the more and more like advanced you get, which let's just be real. It's practice. Like you just Mm -hmm. have to practice it. Like getting in that stillness, you will hear like really cool messages or you Mm -hmm. will find like, you might have some like really mystical experiences, but she was even saying too, like, you can't just expect that that's what's going to happen every time. And I love, I love that too. And I think just even having that time to slow down, I think too, is like what creates so much of that we talked a lot about serendipity in the episode and slowing down and having that intention, you start to see more like really cool stuff just every day in your life. And you're kind of like, 
oh, this is how spending this time Mm. translates outside of me sitting on this pillow or on my bed or whatever. Right. Well, yeah, because I think some people, like she talked about, like all her type A's will be like, well, when can I expect to see a return of investment on like yeah. this time? <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. I get that. Yeah, um, exactly. But it's like, like you're saying, it's the slow thing and it's like giving yourself that space to create more, to attract more, to see yeah. more, whatever. Absolutely. And I do feel like it's not linear. And I, I had mm-hmm. shared this too, with my experiences just through some of the dispenser work, but it's not like you meditate on this thing that you want, whether it's like money or a partner or whatever it is, yeah. or like amazing house. And then like in your, when you're not meditating, you might see like, you know, get a really cool email about a potential thing. Like, it's not always like I meditate on this and this is what I expect. It's like, you start seeing these just really neat things happen in your life that don't yeah. necessarily correlate, which I think is really cool. Totally. I mean, I think it's like building up any habit, right? Like even like exercising and getting stronger. It's not like overnight you can deadlift 200 pounds. Yeah. For most people, it's There's like no a year later you turn around and you're like, I don't even recognize myself. I can do all this cool stuff. And yeah. you didn't even necessarily see the progression happen until you take like a bird's eye view and you're like, oh my gosh, I have no pain. I'm so much stronger. I can do so many more physical things with my body. Like, I think it's similar. You're like building that meditation muscle. Totally. It's all about practice. And she does give you a lot of really practical tips, which I think is great. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you guys will take it. And we do have, so Mala Collective sells a lot of um, pieces that kind of go along with meditation. And she fully says, she's like, you don't need any of this stuff to meditate. She's like, I just love having a really pretty mm-hmm. pillow that creates a space for me or like a stone or a mala necklace that you can use intentionally while you meditate. And you know, it's going to take you 11 minutes to get around Mm -hmm. the whole thing or whatever. And their pieces are really beautiful. And we do have um, a discount code for you guys. Yeah. So you can use the code is coffee 20 and you'll get 20% off. Yeah. So definitely check them out. All the details again, will be in the show notes and we hope you guys enjoy this episode. Enjoy the episode, guys. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Coffee with the Docs. I'm very excited to have Ashley with us today. Hey, Ashley. Hello. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, me too. I know last time you were dealing with some construction sounds in Manhattan, and today we're essentially in a tornado in Colorado. I mean, the winds are insane. And I was like, we're just going to do it. So if we hear some whistling winds or things blowing by the window, just it's all good. Yeah. You know, I find Manhattan so interesting. It's always noisy and trying to practice meditation in Manhattan. I think most people assume it has to be perfectly quiet and the practice of mindfulness in a noisy place just makes it that much more of a practice. So I'm learning to accept the noise on every level. You know, that's actually a really good point that we can definitely talk into as my dog is losing her mind. Um, But just about how you're not always going to have like these perfect conditions for meditation and Mm. you don't really have perfect conditions for life either most of the time. Mm. So I think there's um, a lot of you know, similarities in that aspect too, when you're building a practice, but we have to start out. We ask every guest two questions who comes on the pod. 
And so the first one is what is your drink of choice lately? Ooh, like alcoholic beverage or non-alcoholic? It could be either. We always ask this question because, Mm. you know, we're coffee with the docs and it doesn't have to be coffee, but just Mm. that idea of snuggling up with something and being able to have like a really good chat, which you can have really good chats over Mm. wine too, or anything. So I'd say Mm -hmm. whatever comes into mind. When I'm, when I'm not drinking, my favorite thing is having like bubbly water with lemon in a wine glass. So I can like pretend I'm being, you know, I'm having a glass of wine. Um, but I really love like rooibos tea. I think I've, I've noticed I used to wind down most nights with a glass of wine and actually just the practice of having something in my hands has been like, that's what I was craving. So I'd say rooibos tea, some drinking wine, love Pinot Noir. Yeah. I love that. I'm a Pinot Noir girl myself. And the second question that we ask everybody is what is your latest biohack? Ooh, my latest biohack. That's a great question. I, well, I don't know if this is really a, a true answer, but when I was just in New York on that streak, I ate plant-based for a month and I Ooh. noticed I really like eating meat. So this was testing something new. And I noticed my sleep was so much better. My digestion was so much better. My energy levels were so much better. And then when I really craved meat, I would have some, Mm -hmm. um, but there was something really beautiful. I was getting Saqqara delivery. I mean, it's, it's not cheap. And it was an investment in myself knowing that I was going to have a really busy four weeks. And I chose to invest in proactive healthy eating than reactive uber eats and mm. to be honest in the end it probably evened out what I would have spent because I, I don't like cooking and I'll order when I'm really hungry and then when you order when you're really hungry you're like I don't care how much it costs yep. <laughs> so I I mean I went from reactive eating to more proactive and it, it was pretty incredible oh, um, I love that loved it mm. I mean, I think that's very true in terms of like, we think of like a meal service or something as being super outrageous. And we're like, Oh, Mm -hmm. why would we spend money on that? But it's true. If you don't like to cook and you're ordering out most of the time anyways, it probably does even out in the long run. That's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. I love it. All right. So I'm going to have you introduce yourself to our audience. Ooh, okay. Well, my name is Ashley. (laughs) I founded a company called Mala Collective. We make different tools and practices to help people start and maintain a meditation practice. So I started Mala 10 years ago. And before that, I was a journalist and I covered meditation trials, or sorry, murder trials, murder trials, not meditation trials. That would be wild if there is meditation trials. I covered murder trials and then went into meditation because I met a lady on an airplane and my whole life shifted because of a very serendipitous moment. And now the last 10 years, my life has revolved around creating really beautiful pieces that help inspire meditation practice. And like in full transparency, you don't need anything that we make to meditate at all. You don't need anything. You don't you just need your breath. But I'm really interested in this idea of having really beautiful mindful pieces in your space and having tools. If you want a tool in meditation, that it is authentic, that it's made with natural materials, that it's made with a lot of love. So that's kind of what my, my life is about now. So you met an lady, I have to like backtrack. You met a lady <laughs> on an airplane who taught mm. you about meditation and you had been covering murder trials before that. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So I, I, you know how you go through like one of those 
I think it was a core life crisis at the time thinking, oh, there's so much more to life than this. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Packed up a backpack. And this is, you know, 11 years ago now, went backpacking, ended up in Bali, fell in love with these malas. If you don't know what a mala is, I mean, I see that you're wearing one, but for anybody listening, it's a string of beads that you can use in meditation to hold your focus. So they've been used for thousands of years in Hinduism and Buddhism. And my partner and I at the time didn't know that we just fell in love with these beads and the different gemstones have different healing qualities, like rose quartz is for love, moonstones for intuition. We're like, how cool is this? That it's, it's not only a tool to help you practice, but it's beautiful. So we were flying from Bali to Thailand and a lady came up to us on the plane and said, oh, your aura is so beautiful. Can I sit and talk to you? And long story short, she was the woman that made the beads that we had bought in Bali. So it truly was oh my absolute serendipity. And, and when I tell that story, most people are like, oh, cool. I wish something would fall into my lap like it fell into yours. And I always kind of challenge people that you know, I think serendipitous moments happen to us every day. I think that there's people that I'm going to meet today that you're going to meet today that I could change their life and they could change mine. And I think too often we have that attitude of it's too good to be true or I could never versus being open and trusting. And I truly do trust I'm meant to meet who I'm meant to meet and sit beside someone in a plane I'm meant to sit beside or, you know, whatever. If I miss something, then I was meant for whatever came after. So I mean, that's a practice, always being in trust. And I'm not saying I'm perfect at it, but when I'm falling out of that practice, I have to remind myself, oh yeah, this is my life now because I chose to trust. So I think there's something beautiful in that. I love that. I would also say that I think sometimes people are like, I, you know, I'm looking for something new or I'm, and, but, and then maybe things are falling into their lap, but they're not necessarily looking at it in that way. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like sort of eyes closed or maybe too much in their head or just kind of like lost in the scramble and busyness of life that you're not always seeing all the serendipities. Cause I mm. totally agree with you. I think they're everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of serendipity. And I think one of the beautiful things I've learned through meditation is learning to trust myself. And I think that that's a really generic phrase. Cause if someone said to me, learn to trust yourself, I'd be like, of course I trust myself. But I think there's so many times we get these downloads of or messages and we don't follow them. And then later, like, oh, I knew I should have gone left. Or I knew I should have trusted that person. Or I knew I should have. And that whole, I should have, I should have. I've, I've noticed through my meditation practice, the more I sit with myself, the more I receive those messages. I, I really love intuition. The more I either feel something or hear something or see something. Oh yeah, I'm going to follow that and trust that now because I'm developing a friendship and a connection with myself that I trust moving forward from those intuitive hits. Maybe this is sounding really woo woo, but I think there's something about this like self-connection. I think we're actually a bit more disconnected from ourselves than we, we think we are. I totally agree. And I don't know that there's really anything you could say on our podcast. That's too woo woo. I think my Mm. co-host and I are just kind of have gone all over the place. So we're, we're always open. Um, So, and I, I was saying too, I agree with you with the trusting yourself and like Mm -hmm. self-love, like sometimes we hear these statements and we're Mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, but I do. And like, but do you really? And you can Mm -hmm. always build it deeper. And I love that. And Mm -hmm. I also think we hear a lot, especially in the more holistic medicine space of how important meditation is for our health. And I think a lot of people are just like we were saying, even before we got on air of just like, it's intimidating for a lot of people, or they're like, I just, there's no way I can do that. 
one, I'm too busy. And I always think, well, if you're too busy, it probably means you really need to meditate then. And Mm -hmm. the other piece too, is I think, you know, people are like, my mind is wandering. Like there's no way that I can, how do you receive a message? Like I'm always thinking. Mm -hmm. And so I'm excited about this conversation to sort of just break some of that down for people and maybe even Mm -hmm. give some helpful steps if they have been meditating for a while, maybe, or even people who are brand new to it. So um, wherever you think is a good place to start with that, I'll have you take the lead. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I mean, that's a beautiful, broad opening to it. And you nailed it. Whenever I tell people what I do, they're like, I tried meditating once and I sucked (laughs) or I know I should and I don't, yeah, it's not for me, but I really want to learn. And I think a lot of it has to do with the framing. So I teach a lot of meditation now. When I started, like I said, I didn't know anything about meditation. I didn't know anything about entrepreneurship. Like this was just a curiosity of some cool hippie that I met and starting meditation. I just thought, oh, I have to sit there for like 30 minutes and not move or think. I'm like, I'm going to be the worst at this. So I think it's the framing when we enter meditation. I clearly set myself up for failure thinking that's what meditation was. And I think that's what most people think meditation is. I have to sit there for 20 minutes and not move and not have a thought. I haven't met anybody in 10 years that can sit for 20 minutes and not have a thought. If we reframe it as, okay, I'm going to sit there for, let's say five minutes, make it really easy for five minutes. You're probably going to have a hundred thoughts. Like that's just normal. The practice is I mean, always easier said than done. I'll say it that way. (laughs) The practice is not judging yourself when you have a thought and not getting hooked and carried off by that thought. So like, Mm -hmm. I'll I'll give an example, actually a visual that I was taught in meditation by one of my teachers was, um, he didn't frame it this way, but I like to picture a bicycle wheel. So in the center of bike wheel, you have, you know, the center point and all the spokes. The center point is your focal point in meditation. That can be your breath. That can be mala beads, those things that we make, and it can be a mantra. A mantra is a word or a sound or a phrase. I love affirmation-based mantras. Like I'm love, I'm grounded, I'm peace. And it's proven the more we repeat these phrases to ourselves, the more we start to rewire our brain to believe them, which I think is so cool. So Mm -hmm. we have the focal point in the center of the wheel. We're sitting there, we're breathing. Maybe we're turning our malas through our fingers. Maybe we're repeating our mantra. And then, oh, there's a dog barking outside. So our mind starts to wander off. And then you get out, out, out. And then it's where that spoke hits the tire. And that's you're like, oh my God, I'm the worst. I should be meditating right now, but I'm trying to figure out what kind of dog that is. Or like whatever right. story you're in. That moment, you can decide I'm the worst and I suck at this. Or you can decide, okay, my love, come back. I really love that. Okay. My love come back. Okay. My love come back because it's going to happen. I don't know, 30 seconds later, another 30 seconds later. So imagine all those folks on that wheel, there's like 210 minutes. So that's 200 opportunities for us to practice. Mm. I'm the worst or 200 chances to say, okay, my love come back. Mm. So that practice of self-compassion or that practice of self-hatred, it's two very different opposing experiences. So if we frame meditation as I'm going to sit there for 10 minutes. I'm going to have a whole bunch of thoughts, but I'm going to be pretty nice to myself when I have them. Okay. That's one version of a practice. Maybe the point in the practice the next day is I have 200 thoughts today. Maybe tomorrow I'll have 190. Maybe the next day I'll have 170. And then maybe the next day I'll have 300 because I had a crazy morning. 
the idea in meditation is not to eliminate all of the thoughts. It's to not get hooked by them, as I mentioned, and maybe, maybe find a little bit of space between the thoughts. So maybe eliminate a couple here and there. And in that spaciousness, you know, Deepak Chopra talks about the space between our thoughts, which I always thought was a beautiful visualization, but Mm -hmm. never understood. Mm -hmm. So when we're creating spaciousness between our thoughts, we're creating that spaciousness for connection to ourselves. So those aha moments, those intuitive downloads, those visions, those voices, those feelings, those realizations, those whispers from the universe, from the cosmos, whatever language, talking to God, whatever words work for you, use those words. That's that moment we create that spaciousness to allow that to come because we're usually go, 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 go. There's no spaciousness to allow that to come in. So again, if you reframe meditation as I'm just going to create a little bit of space and maybe I'll have an aha moment. That'd be cool. And like, we've all had those like in the shower or washing dishes or like, you know how you kind of zone out when you're driving, which is like so dangerous, but we still do it. And then we get from point A to B and we have these realizations like, oh, I should call that person later. I need to like these things come up because we've created that spaciousness for it to come forward. So I have found the reframe of meditation as self-love or spaciousness or creating that trust within ourselves by creating space for the intuition to come through. That's a much softer, gentler, loving approach to meditation that I find far less intimidating. I love that. And I, I love all the visuals in that too, of just Mm. creating that space or just not getting Mm. kind of sucked away and coming back to center, coming back to center. I mean, that's a word that a lot of even meditation instructors use too. Right. So I think that's excellent. And I love the idea of yeah, just all those different opportunities for self-love instead of self-hatred. Mm. And it probably mm. carries over into your daily life all the time then too. Yeah. Like the practice of being nice to ourselves, you know, you referenced self-love earlier again, like when I started in this world, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get what self-love is, but like, it's such a big term. It's quite an elusive term. Like, yeah, I practice self-love. I have a bubble bath every once in a while. Yeah. That's one version of it. But sitting in meditation, we get to like, listen to how we speak to ourselves. And we're actually not that kind to ourselves. We're so much nicer to our best friend than we are to ourselves. We're kind of jerks to ourselves. And as we start to retrain with love, with kindness and compassion, what I've noticed is, oh, throughout my day, I'm a little less judgmental towards myself. I'm a little bit more forgiving, a little bit more loving to myself. I give myself a little bit more permission to like, Oh, okay, that's all right. I'll get it next time. Whereas before, maybe I'd be like, oh, you idiot. You really like right. did it wrong. And so it does start to progress how we speak to ourselves. And I, I think that's also a combination of like gratitude journaling and reflection and whatever suits you. Um, but I hope that's helpful. I think that meditation is such a gift. Another question I get asked a lot actually is so funny is when does the ROI kick in? And I mean, that's such a type A question and I teach a lot of entrepreneurs and I'm like, yeah, I get that question because they're like, well, I want this enlightened moment. Like, when do I get that? And another one of my teachers described it with the analogy of like going to the gym. It's not always fun going to the gym and like halfway through a session, you might be like, oh, I don't want to do this or, or, or this feels really good. But afterwards, okay, that feels pretty great. And maybe Mm -hmm. you don't see the result after one session, but the consistency of showing up for yourself, you start to see those shifts and changes 
um, and results perhaps is not the right word, but you know, you start to notice the difference. And I think that's very similar with meditation, that it's the consistency. And it's like, you know, maybe one day, I mean, a lot of days, I don't want to be doing my meditation and I do it because I'm like, no, I'm, this is my practice. I'm sitting here for 10 minutes with myself. And then there's other days where I'll have this beautiful breakthrough. But then when I go back the next day, be like, I need that breakthrough again. Like, I'm not going to have the breakthrough. (laughs) I'm like trying to force the breakthrough. So it's, I don't know, it ebbs and it flows, which I think can be frustrating for people, but it, it turns into a beautiful practice that maybe in the beginning we're guilted into because we should. And then at some point, like, oh, I get to go do it. So that transition happens with time. Absolutely. I mean, I, I learned from, well, a couple different teachers, but I've been doing some Dr. Joe Dispenza workshops for, yeah, for a couple of years. And, and I think, you know, when you go to his actual in-person workshops, you're like hearing everybody have all these like crazy experiences. I mean, the first time mm-hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, where am I? Why are people screaming? And I think, <laughs> um, you know, I didn't even know that was like a thing. And then I started like learning more and more about it. And then of course, everyone's wanting to have those experiences. And, mm-hmm. and then like you were saying, you're almost trying to force it where it's like a lot of times it's just putting in the time. It's just going in without an expectation, going in with just, you know, I'm just going to be in that space and, Mm -hmm. and see what happens, but being more like curious and open and trusting the unknown instead of this, like, well, I want to have this mystical experience, like he says. And so I think part of the putting in the practice without expectations is a lot of what translates, at least it's what translated more into my, like, awake life, I guess, like day to day, I'm like, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot of those principles of just being open, moving slower, you know, I mean, I feel like that's been the biggest Mm -hmm. result, I guess I've seen personally, and I am super type A. So I think there is a piece where you're, you are, you're looking for like, I want to, I'm going to go to the seminar. I'm going to have this experience. I'm going to come back a changed person. And you're like, okay, like it's, it's baby steps. And then it's doing it on your own and committing to the practice. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. And I think, I think what I remember, and I still feel it sometimes is meditation can be really intimidating because it's such an internal experience that we don't really know what someone else is going through. And I like to compare it to yoga. When you're in yoga class, you see the person beside you doing a side angle pose. Okay, I can course correct physically because I can see what they're doing. But you and I could be sitting beside each other and maybe you open your eyes, look at me and you're like, oh my God, she's so zen. And inside I'm like replaying an argument from last Tuesday. And then I open my eyes and look at you and I'm like, oh my God, she's so zen. But then now you're (laughs) judging yourself because you're looking at me. It's like, nobody really knows what people are going through. And whenever I teach, I always find it so funny that people will line up and they all ask the exact same questions. And it's because they Mm. all think they're having like, I'm the first person to have this question. I'm the first person in my mind wander like this. And I was like, man, we're all, we're all fearful of the same things. We all think we're screwing it up. We're all having a whole bunch of thoughts. We're all struggling through it. And if we can just find the humor in that, like it makes it so much lighter and so much more beautiful. And that clinging to an experience, like, yeah, you'll have it like probably on the day that you let go of it. (laughs) You don't expect it. Right. It's, and that also is kind of annoying to hear because it's like, well, that's elusive. (laughs) I know. (laughs) And it is, it it, it just is what it is. Like I, um, I go hiking every year in the Himalayas, which I know is Mm. pretty extreme, but that's like, 
I'm also very type A and I need to go somewhere where there's no Wi-Fi. There's still Wi-Fi, which <laughs> is beautiful, but like it, was, it wasn't what I thought. And that was my form of moving meditation every year. And I actually, my partner and I split up six years ago, committed. I would take myself to the other side of the world for like a seven day trek. I never trekked in my life and I do it every year now. And one of the years I was listening to Eckhart Tolle, the power of now. And he was saying like, I was in the Himalayas. He's like, you don't have to go and hike in the Himalayas to find (laughs) self-peace. I was like, this is a pretty extreme version. I could just sit in my living room on a cushion. So like, it doesn't have to be these extreme gestures. I also just like the mountains. I like hiking. So I think that people think it needs to be this extreme reach of a spiritual experience, but I've had meltdowns sitting in front of a plant in my apartment of just joy and it doesn't have Mm. to be this like big grandiose thing yeah be very quiet and reflective absolutely I love that is hilarious how funny you're like okay message loud and clear I also just like the Himalayas so here I am totally (laughs) um no that's excellent so tell us a little bit about so you you sell some mala beads and you sell Mm -hmm. um different, like you were saying, like pieces that can help hold focus and hold space. Tell us mm. a little bit about how you would use something in a meditation like that. Mm, that's a great question. So the mala beads, like I mentioned, it's a string of beads. So they were invented as a tool to help hold your focus. So there's 108 beads. The way you use it, very similar to a rosary, is you turn it through your fingers bead by bead. I like to do an inhale and exhale on each bead. Hmm. it usually takes like 12 to 20 minutes to go all the way around, depending on how quickly you're breathing. Mm -hmm. I know that I'm not calm when I can get around it in like three minutes because that means like, (gasps) and like, okay, that's a great tell, but I I whipped through that a little too fast. But to go around it 12 to 20 minutes, that's that's beautiful. And Mm -hmm. I like to repeat an affirmation on each beat. So I like to inhale, I am, and exhale a mantra. exhale whatever word I want to call it. And so let's say I want to feel supported. So I'll inhale. I am and exhale supported. Inhale. I am exhale support 108 times. Okay. That's a really beautiful calming experience. And my mind is still going to wander, but what's really cool about a mala is, Oh, come back to this thing that I can feel in the present moment in my fingers. Like Mm. it's a very tactile focal point. Um, so we use different gemstones and crystals for that, which they all hold different intentions. You know, it depends, depends what you believe when it comes to that. And I've had people say like, is this really going to heal my heart chakra or is it just a crystal? I'm like, well, you know, I wear my mala on my wrists through the day. And when I'm looking down typing, oh yeah, my intention today was to believe in serendipity. Mm. Is the crystal making me serendipitous or is me seeing the intention of serendipity Mm. and Mm. thinking about it through the day? I don't actually care what what is what is doing what the fact is I'm leaning into this intention Mm -hmm. and I'm living by it so I think that there is this analytical approach often in meditation and as soon as we kind of surrender into our experience and into our intention the thing I find most beautiful about running Mala is people are not just like shopping for I don't want to knock anyone's owns a business of like Mm -hmm. t-shirts there but it's it's less transactional it's like hey I'm going through this life experience Mm -hmm. and it's immediate vulnerability and I'm sure you experience that as well like hey I'm on this journey what can I call in to support me through this evolution and the one thing I notice is everybody's craving that level of connection to self on some level 
all with different words, maybe more masculine words, maybe more feminine words, maybe mm-hmm. more analytical, maybe more woo-woo, but we're all seeking that connection to self. So the mala beads, beautiful tool for that. Crystals, I mentioned, like they all hold different intentions. I like to put them out in front of me when I'm doing a meditation, mm-hmm. just to kind of hold an intention. It's a bit more ritualistic. Um, Tibetan singing bowls, I really love using them at the beginning or ending of a meditation. There's there's a lot of beautiful science behind the different materials and singing bowls and the different octaves they can hit um, that can help ease your brain into a meditative state, which I think is so cool. Um, cool. And then we make meditation cushions, which I mean, I have like five right in front of me. I mean, my apartment is like, I I would never make anything I wouldn't ever have in my home. Mm -hmm. So we're very like selective in how we create things, but meditation cushion, again, you don't need it. You can grab a cushion off your couch to meditate or a pillow off your bed. But what I love is it holds a space in my home that I know I wake up, that's where I'm going to go. I don't have to think Mm -hmm. about it. And what Mm -hmm. I think when we are creating a new habit, we'll use any excuse to get out of that new thing, especially meditation, because it can be really uncomfortable and it's really easy to avoid. And like, if you have to make three decisions before you sit down and meditate, you're probably not going to do it. Mm. Well, should I do it on the edge of my bed? Should I sit at the dining room table? Should I sound like I'll do it later because I just had to have too many questions. (laughs) So removing that thought process, this is my sacred space. This is just for me. And I've had a lot of people say having their cushion out, like the, the intention behind our cushions is they're really beautiful. So you can keep them out all the time. Not like these granola things you have to hide when guests come over because it looks too hippie. It's meant to be aesthetically gorgeous. So mm. leaving it out in your living room. Oh yeah. It may be kind of guilts you in the beginning to like, oh, yeah, I really should go do that because my cushion's right there and I paid for it. And like I told myself I would do right. it. And then eventually it turns into, oh, I get to go sit in my space and connect mm. to myself. So I'm a big fan of that holding space. And I believe this is just my perception is when I'm in a beautiful space that I've created that's sacred, I feel safer to drop in and surrender mm-hmm. in my meditation. Mm-hmm. And like, I can also meditate on a bus, you know, there, there's, it doesn't matter. It's not always the most necessary thing, but I do love having like a new moon or full moon little ritual and do some journaling. And it just feels very, very safe to connect to my divine feminine energy. I love that. Oh, cool. I'm going to have to, I checked out your website. I don't know if I saw the meditation cushions. I'm going to have to go back. Oh, we have, we're getting more in May. They like, they sell out pretty quick now. It's really oh, funny. Cool. At first people were like, what are these for? And it's like, well, I don't know if you want to hold space in your home. This is a beautiful thing. And now I think it's really beautiful that, you know, in 10 years, how much meditation has become this thing that people turn to. Um, it's quite special. Yeah. I definitely feel like it's gotten more like popular, right. I mean, and things ebb and flow. And sometimes I'm like, maybe, and I think like you were saying, it's such an internal process. I'm sure it means Mm -hmm. a lot to different people and they have different practices, but I think that's super cool. Um, I did want to ask before we ended a little bit about mindfulness and Mm -hmm. again, you know, that's another word I think a lot of people is becoming a little bit of a buzzword too, but what does mindfulness mean to you? And then just some mm. examples of how you use it in your daily life. Mm. You're right. It is a really broad, popular word, <laughs> like self-love and um, intention. Mindfulness for me, I mean, to break it down to like the bare bones is just 
being mindful in the present moment, which again, mm-hmm. so much easier said than done. Mm-hmm. Sitting in meditation shows you how difficult mindfulness can be because it's a practice. And, and that judgment for practice is, again, we're pretty hard on ourselves mm-hmm. when we're trying to create a new habit or be in the present moment. But that present moment awareness, present moment awareness, I would say that's mindfulness. And what is beautiful, actually how to probably frame it is meditation is one of the ways to like develop that muscle. You know, meditation mm-hmm. is teaching me how do I come back to present moment, come back without judgment, without judgment, come back, my love. And then through the day, it starts to seep into every practice. So maybe I'll be a bit more mindful eating instead of like hoofing down my lunch. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll be a bit more mindful in how I'm speaking to somebody. Maybe I'll take a breath when I'm frustrated before saying something. Maybe when I'm going for a walk, I'll just be a bit more aware of how beautiful nature is. Maybe, and it becomes this practice of just a little bit more awareness, a little bit more awareness, a little bit more awareness in the present moment, in every moment through the day. I'm not saying 24 seven, I'm aware because I'm a human being and that's just not my reality, but I've noticed it allows it it allows me to be kinder to myself, kinder to others, more in gratitude and more in awareness through the day. So meditation is just, actually I'll frame it this way. I coach a lot of women and men in business and mindfulness and coaching is just one hour of the week where we're kicking up a bunch of stuff. The practice is through the week until I see them again. Right. So meditation is this moment where you kick up a bunch of stuff and then the practice is through the day until the next time you sit with yourself. So I would say mindfulness becomes also the practice between your meditations, not just mm-hmm. while you're sitting in the meditation mm-hmm. position. I love, yeah, I totally agree. I feel like it's it, like I was sort of saying with my experiences with Dr. Joe, it's like what you come out of that and then you're sort of like, okay, how can I put pieces of this mm-hmm. like through my daily life? like the biggest one for me is like to stop rushing around everywhere. So it was like, how can I move slower? How can I take more time? Right. And like, for me, that was really being mindful. Right. Or like you were saying, not like woofing down your lunch and such an easy thing to do. Totally. And I think that's the integration and the embodiment because analytically as analytical people, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand meditation. Yeah. 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 I understand Mm -hmm. be present our head and our heart just take time to connect. And it takes time for us to like truly know and believe something instead of just analytically know. So I think that mindfulness becomes this embodiment practice, which is so beautiful and just takes time. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. a couple last questions on meditation. Are there ones that you I guess even like more for yourself than others, like a like a guided one or Um, Mm. like you were saying, going through a mantra on a mala bead or that attempt, like Dr. Joe talks about sometimes, which is like really trying to be in the blackness in the nothing, Mm. um, which I think, you know, can definitely be harder in the beginning for people. Um, where do you like people to start? What do you personally like? Mm. Oh, that's a good question. So I, I go through phases and I used to judge myself for that. And I think what I've noticed in teaching is people think it has to look a certain way and it totally doesn't mm-hmm. like, yes, I have a meditation space in my home. I love it. And I'll sit on my cushion and I'll use my mala. Some days I want to lay down this morning. I love the Joe Dispenza morning meditation. Mm-hmm. This morning I laid in bed with an eye mask on and listened to meditation. 
I was like, oh, this is kind of great. Mm-hmm. Other mornings, I love sitting on my cushion with my mala. Other days, usually spring, summer, I really want to move. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed I'm just going to lean into that. If that's what my body wants right now, I'm going to surrender to that and I'm going to go with it. So I like listening to meditations while I'm walking and walking slowly. I'm not saying that's a right or a wrong way to do it, but there really isn't a right or a wrong way mm-hmm. to do it. As long mm-hmm. as there's mindfulness and awareness, you know, you can lay down, you can sit in a chair, you can sit on a cushion, you can be in bed. One of my teachers was saying meditation in bed. He calls it meditation. He's like, the worst thing that happens is you fall asleep. And that's pretty awesome. So it's like, <laughs> it's the, it is, you're not like, that's not the worst thing that can happen to you. Right. And I think um, what I hear from a lot of people, like my mind's too busy. My mind's too busy. I can't sit still. Great. Try moving meditation. Mm-hmm. Like that might get you back into your body and like allow you to drop in. I've done a lot of trainings where we do a lot of movement before a seated meditation. And the intention is like to release that energy and anxiety from the body. It's like, mm. if I really can't sit still, I do a few stretches. Like it's allowing my body to open. And the, the one of the traditional beliefs, like allowing your chakras to open, mm-hmm. like all your energy points so that you can actually drop in. So if you're noticing your mind's really, really busy, just maybe do a couple stretches. I also when I'm feeling ungrounded in meditation, I'll put one hand on my heart, one hand on my belly, just to feel like, okay, more connected to my body instead of in mm-hmm. my head. So mm-hmm. I think allow your intuition to guide you in what you need. And I say that with the awareness that you saying, I want to meditate right now. Isn't really intuition. That's resistance. <laughs> I think there's a difference between our intuition and our resistance because resistance is going to manifest. And we've all experienced that like in high school, we had to write an essay and it's like, I'm actually going to clean all the dishes and the floorboards and do laundry. That's resistance right? because right. We're, we're avoiding a thing that we need to do in meditation. Yeah. Okay. If your hip, your hips are uncomfortable, like lay down. If you're feeling anxious, do some stretches. If you really can't sit still go for a walk, but there's so many entry points to dropping mm-hmm. in within yourself, find the one that's right for you and roll with it. And then when you want to change it, change it. I think that the idea that you have to sit there super still is one version. That's just one of the versions. So I love it. Whatever works for you. Yeah. I think that's perfect. Sometimes I love doing like the visualization ones where you like see your future and yeah. go through that whole thing too. I think it's totally true. You can have so many different, there doesn't have to be a right or a wrong way to do it at all. Yeah. And I love when I want not a guided meditation, but some sound on insight timer. You can, mm-hmm. I think you can press timer and it's just beautiful monks chanting in Tibetan bowls. And it's just very mm-hmm. calming. So some days I want to hear someone's voice. Some days I want silence. Some days I want some like background music. I would say when people are saying, what's the best meditation to listen to, you know, you're, you're so intimately connected to this person's voice, find someone's voice that you like. And that's mm-hmm. it. Like if, mm-hmm. if you really adore that person's voice, you can drop in a little bit more. So absolutely, that's also fun to find the person that you like. Oh, so cool. All of this. I love talking about this stuff. So tell us a little bit about where our audience can find you, where you're doing your coaching, where they can look at your mm. mindful pieces, all of that stuff. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, well, you can check us out at Mala Collective and on Instagram. I mean, send us a message. We're a small team, but we really, really love 
hearing from people. It lights us up so much to hear people sharing their stories. So always reach out if it's curiosity around like, how on earth do I start this thing? I want to start meditating, but no, don't know where to start. Please message us. Um, And you can find me at Ashley underscore underscore Ray. I'm sure you'll link it in the notes, but um, yeah, I do a little bit of coaching here and there with people around sometimes around business and how to level up, but I'm always very interested in how we step into our potential or align with our purpose. And I think there's a lot of people that feel like, Ooh, there's something more and I don't know what it is. And I don't exactly know what alignment feels like, but I know I'm not there yet. And it can always like our coaching always starts like this non-tangible, Oh man, I know there's a divine feminine within me, but I don't really know what that word means. How do I get there? And it's, it's so beautiful. I really love being able to be in those conversations. So, Oh, that's such cool, powerful work. I love it. Well, thank you, Ashley, for taking your time and being with us today. And I think you provided a lot of really tangible, great ways for people to get it, you know, started in meditation, which is super helpful. So thank you. Thank you.